we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. I'm Willow Truman, and with me... Not high enough inquisitor, Sequoia Kennedy. Are you not high enough? I'm high enough. I'm, I'm actually high enough. That was just kind of a joke. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> thanks for joining us today. We got a good one for you. God, that was the sh- most sheepish joke I've ever told in my life. <laughs> <laughs> we do have a fucking good one, though. We are continuing the Inquisition of the Ascended Masters. We show are. And... So, I mean, one of the things I've been completely and utterly surprised by while doing this podcast is just, like, how much I don't know. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. Well, it's not just, like, the details I don't know about the things I've heard the broad strokes of, you know. Just, like, the way the pieces go together. I mean, like, huge, fantastically fucking insane parts of society and culture that, like, I just did not know of. Like, Mm -hmm. this is one of them, right? Um, Yeah, it is. Even though, like... You know, as a person that's ever been slightly hippie-ish or you smoke weed and you hang out around. A little spooky. Yeah. You're going to hear the phrase, I am that I am. Yes. And for the longest time, you know, I would see that in people's profiles or hear it. And to me, I would just think, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) So that ties into what we're talking about today because this is the I am movement. And of course, they get that from... I am that I am. But what is right. that? What is that? And the uh, Who am I? Who am I? Well, so we're, yeah, we're talking about the cult slash new religious movement called the I am activity that was active in the 1930s. And make the distinct, like, I am that I am is the, you know, AA Asher AA, uh, which is the like Hebrew name for God or like right. one of these, you know, and like that's different. So like some people might just be like, what, what do you mean? I just like, I'm, you know. I just thought that was a cool way of describing God because it's, you know, whole consciousness is the root of all everything and the first cause and the prime mover is actually your own human consciousness. And, like, that's pretty cool. I'm like, yeah, it is. But, like, these bastards, like, uh, they're doing a different thing with it's that. Different. We're not talking about you. It's yeah, yeah, different yeah. than the biblical I am that I am quote. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because, well, because— Well, I already knew that. I'm acting like I don't know. Because right, I'm right. so used to doing episodes <laughs> where you teach me stuff. I'm I know. Like, I'm, like, going slipping into the role, but— <laughs> Yeah, so that's another that's thing. Funny. This is uh, our first like real joint research uh, story, which is. Are, you know trying a trying a new thing, and I I think that's pretty cool. You definitely it found is. some shit that I had not. Yeah. So the I am in this story, the am isn't referring to God or anything like that. The am is ascended masters. A M. Yes. Yeah, that's what this is all about. Yes. And the two most important. Masters, other than the founders themselves, Guy and Edna. Well, they did position themselves below the masters. They were the accredited messengers of the ascended mm-hmm. masters. Yes, the two most important figures are Saint Germain. Yes, and Jesus. And Jesus. Yes. Jesus. And and G- there, Saint Germain is almost more he's above Jesus. He's above Jesus. He's and way if- above Jesus. Jesus just got added so that they could appeal to the Christian background of most Americans and get a wider fan base, right? That's kind of yeah, what I'm, I'm basically, thinking. Basically, that's what I'm thinking too. And if you remember from our uh, episode on the Count of St. Germain. I remember. I was there. You were there. You yes. were there too, Mr. Invisible Audience Member. 
We hope you were. Mrs. Vin- non-gendered invisible audience member. <laughs> Saint, yes. Count of St. Germain was a real fucking dude. And this St. Germain is a... He was basically like dug out of the ground. Yeah. Like the myth of like his cold, dead body was dug up. Yeah. Um, he's, by a, he's a thought form bastardization yes. of the real Count of St. Germain. Right. Because now he's not even the Count of St. Germain. Now he's just St. Germain, which is confusing because he is not a saint. Not a saint. That's never just was. what his last name was. His last name was St. Germain. Yeah. He was the Count of a place called St. Germain. Now this right. is St. It's some dude now named Germain. St. Germain. St. Germain. Yeah, so the Saint Germain of the, you know, the tall tale telling socialite, 18th century mystic, whatever, uh, he's been given a new coat of paint. He's been made into this purified and dazzlingly holy. Pastel colored. Yeah. Yeah. Ascended master. Ascended master. What are the ascended masters? Well, they're a group of, you know, great holy teachers that have become so spiritually perfect that, you know, they have escaped the wheel of reincarnation and now they're working together to secretly guide mankind to become enlightened. Yes. I would yep. also call it a a, a, a make em up pantheon uh, given birth by the type of spiritual con artistry that was only possible in America. Yes. So who's responsible for this? Because we last episode we talked a bit about C.W. Ledbetter and Helena Blavatsky and all, all this stuff, but you know, that that idea wasn't the sort of, like, with them, it wasn't the sort of poisonous monstrosity that we painted it to be. These are the people that turned it into the poisonous monstrosity. Right. And these people are married vampires, Guy and Edna Ballard. They have to be. They have to be There's just no vampires. way that they're not. Yeah. They created a make-believe world of technicolor fear and psychic violence out of the discarded remnants of esoteric philosophies that had come before. They sure did. And although that statement seems to suggest that their school of thought was itself an esoteric philosophy, it was not. A philosophy needs an underlying consistency of structure. It, it at least needs to be saying something, right? Otherwise, just fucking words. It said, give me money. Right. Words have, and words have a power in and <laughs> of said, themselves. It said, tithe 10% of your income to us. You're right. And the only gift the Ballards ever fucking gave uh, to their beloved students were broken homes and broken minds. And uh, they, took their, they took their money and people said, thank you. May I please pay you for nothing again? And uh, Pretty much. Their legacy exists to this day. Yeah, because people still be channeling like St. Germain and, you know, this spawned a bajillion other uh, little movements of their own that deal with the Ascended Masters that we'll get into in future episodes. Yes. Look forward to that. Yes, because this is... I'm the Violet Flame of St. Germain. I'm the Violet Flame of... This is an Inquisition. It is. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's an I Am Temple in... Fucking right down the road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, you know... Each successive generation uh, of of people have clutched harder and harder to these like pseudo spiritual, attention consuming, vampiric ideas like twin flames, right, and yes. ascended masters, and oh, yeah. thought octaves, sound healing, magic decrees that offer easy answers to hard problems, and all these things come from this. All the things like I just mentioned, like it has their roots in this. And you've probably never heard of these people before, but I 19- hadn't. Right, and I hadn't either until I started looking up the Count of Saint Germain. Right. And I had seen his name in a spooky fashion, but like these fuckers only really active from 1930, we'll, we'll be generous and say 1930 yeah. to 1939, really from 1934 to 1939. And in that time, 
they, they did so much. They did so much and they gained <laughs> upwards of a million fucking followers. Yeah. Right. And $3 million. Ah, I, I had, I got 13 from okay. my research. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, I wouldn't question it being more. That's the figure I came across. Right. And that might've been only within a certain number or a certain year. Yes. So like, I want to just give a, a basic little overview of kind of the, just a, a quick little summary of the ideology that they were promoting just to, to give people yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, an idea. Yep. So the basic teaching of the movement is that man was originally pure when he came to earth, but then he became too focused on worldly things. And that's when suffering and death started to happen. And upon death, life would again return to the individual and the cycle would continue and continue and continue and continue. You just die and then you drop into some lady's womb and you are born again. And not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Until eventually you break this cycle, and the way you break this cycle is by becoming a master. You overcome death, and you ascend into the other world, and then, well, what is the purpose of these masters oh once God. they've ascended? It's just cheap. Jesus Christ, I just read the fucking Bhagavad Gita, like, the other day. As I was researching this, I read the Bhagavad Gita for the first time, and uh, basically the same idea, except, like, you know, a, like a real idea like this is just a fucking right. pastel colored version of like what all the other religions have been saying so what like, is like the ballard's oh. idea of an ascended master you know like what to them qualifies right uh, yeah what would get me out of this <laughs> right what to, yeah let me out please. so the the masters are here they're gonna prepare america to assume its role as the nation so america is really masters. that important in the grand wheel of life and death oh and yeah Trump. we're gonna be God the christian it. commonwealth duh um, and this role for America was foreordained by St. Germain, who's not even an American. <laughs> so I guess, no, you know, no. America's just so fucking awesome. It's so fucking cool. Yeah. So like, because of this, obviously it's a super patriotic movement and followers were usually pretty conservative. They opposed strikes, labor unions, communism. They also opposed, uh, FDR and the new deal program. You know, all that good stuff. Yeah. So that's a good little overview of, like, the types of people and beliefs that we're dealing with. Because another question that a lot of people have been asking lately is um, kind of, hey, when did uh, when did the spooky, when did the New Age uh, get so fucking fascist? When did that happen? Around here. Yeah, it's this. Yeah, World War II. Yeah, or pre, yeah, pre-World War II. It's like, when, well, when the yeah, fascism Great happened, that's, that's when, it, when it fucking... Happened, yeah. Indeed. And also, no playing cards in this in this cult no, either. Can't do and that. I wouldn't call it a cult either. I'd call it a. I don't mm, know. I don't know what this is. It's an activity. It's an activity. It, that's what they call it, and that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. It's an oh, activity. Oh fuck. Oh god. Yeah. No playing cards though. So, do we want to like head over to the beginning of this story where guy is born? Um. No, I want to. I want to stress something a little bit. Go little right bit ahead. So, I mean, these guys weren't just like they weren't just slightly conservative. I think that's sort of kind of underselling it. Because oh yeah, they were, they were deliberate. Their like goal kill was the Jews. they never mentioned the Jews, but the dude who they aped their uh, their whole thing from, which we'll given get to. how much they looked up to him, yeah, I would have to say I'd that, have to assume yeah. so. Um, th- their goal was the overthrow of the U.S. government. That was the stated. That was the state. That was what Saint Germain wanted them to do. Yeah, to bring in the seventh golden age. Yeah, yeah. like that. That's why there's a 
you know, the FBI had a file on these guys and shit yes. and like a million people strong by the, by the end of it. And like, you know, here's a lot like of one of the, uh, I wrote down one of the, uh, decrees, their magic spells they have that, um, really, uh, gives, a this, this is what they would teach their, their students to like, you know, <laughs> chant in unison and that fucking, I am the violet right. flame. Right. Also, so, you can whisper under your breath if you like feel guilty for right, shouting right, at right. your like mom or something. Right, right, right. Um, then that you're supposed you. to like bark it. But I'm not going to bark it because I'm not comfortable doing that. Okay. I'm just being very loud and like, <laughs> yeah. I call the angels of blue lightning, the legions of light to stand guard over your America, my America, that every person who tries to bring destructive conditions, qualities, or activities into America shall cease to exist in his human form. They just had a bunch of people chanting that shit, like yelling that shit when they were displeased with wow. something. Like, yeah. This is like the OG um, Pledge of Allegiance, except <laughs> like almost creepier. Yeah, they had a lot of them. The Book of Decrees is like, they have like fucking 500 decrees. Oh, yeah. That are, it's insane. So, yeah, let's, um, with that in mind, let's uh, let's get into yeah, the Yeah, now that we this. know just how bad, yeah. <laughs> how bad they are, I kind of undersold it. They're fucking evil. Yes. These people are fucking evil. Demonic evil, I've never been so fucking angry at people. I like, yeah. maybe it's because I didn't know who they were, but like. Oh. I've seen people posit that the Ascended Masters are like archons, and that mm-hmm. might not be wrong. Right. I did find that theory uh, on one blog, on one shittily programmed blog, and it was like, the Ascended Masters are actually archons. It's, it's a big scam, and you need to protect yourself, and you, you, and, you can only and protect— go to Jesus. Well, no, you can only protect, find out how to protect yourself here, and you click the link, and it takes you to an I Am website. Oh, perfect. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's— that's yeah. So it's shit turtles all the way down. Don't believe them. Don't don't give them your money. Don't believe give us, us your money. Even though that we're them, we're them, and we just we just assume you won't. You won't notice. figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. So guys born 1878 in Kansas. Fucking course he was. Like, I'm glad I was born in the time that I'm born in. Not 1878 in Kansas. Not Kansas. Maybe like somewhere else, but 1878 Kansas. Fuck oh, that. fuck that. As a kid, he was obsessed with like buried treasure and, and gold. And he was always like digging, trying to find gold, which would lead to him becoming a mining engineer. Because, you know, yes. what else uh, are you going to do? What else are you going to do if you're, you're a gold you're a gold digger? <laughs> a literal gold a literal digger. Fucking- <laughs> <laughs> so at, at some point during his uh, mining and engineering career, he goes to Chicago. While he's there, he starts making some money selling stocks in California mines. Ooh. Yes. And while he's there, he also is, you know, walking around Chicago. And I'm going to guess this is around like 19... 10, 1915-ish, that that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he sees this golden harp in a storefront window. And this, this harp is so gold and so shiny, and he simply must go in and take a closer look at it. So he goes in, and the shop owner is like, oh, it's not for sale, but you can meet the owner of it. She owns a studio above the shop. Oh, shit. So he goes up the stairs and opens the door, knock, 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 and here's the most beautiful, radiant, like, light-emitting golden woman he's ever seen. Her name is Edna Ann Wheeler. Edna, God, it's such a sexy fucking name. <laughs> Edna Ann. Yes. 
So yeah. this harp belongs to her. She's a concert harpist. Yeah, she'd even played for like the Duke of Wales. Ooh. You know, so she's pretty. She's you know very she's fucking achieved good at the harp a lot. In 1912, she was 26, and she was already like a professional concert musician in Chicago. So she's doing real good for herself. Her, yeah. she's from Iowa. Her parents encouraged her to study harp and piano. So she's like an accomplished musician. So there's like immediate attraction and chemistry between them, obviously. Like they're both from little small Midwest towns. They go on a date, they fall in love, and they both have this mutual desire for like fame and riches. That's very important to both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both also had a real interest in the occult and esoteric writings and philosophy. This is true. Uh, Edna, Edna, like especially... Um, mm-hmm. She worked in, uh, I guess, after she, because that was my question about like what happened to her yeah. career as a, as a concert musician. After she was done with that, she uh, worked in an occult bookstore for a long Called time. The Philosopher's Nook. Oh, that's so fucking adorable. Isn't it? I love it. Yeah. So her, her and Guy got married in 1916. Uh, he was 38. Yeah. She's 30. Um, and then World War One happened. Yep. And Guy had to join the military. Survived. Yeah, he he returned just uh, two years later, actually. So that was a quick, you know, huh. quick little stint. Yeah. Uh, not much information about well, what the, happened there. You know, the U.S. didn't really. We came yeah. in at the tail end of it. It's true. You know. So his reunion with Edna was passionate. And, of course, they, they immediately created the most beautiful baby boy in the world, Donald, <laughs> who was also known by his other name. His real name, I think. His re- yeah. Yeah. Edona Eros. Yeah, that's his, like, that's his real name, Edona Eros Ballard. Yep. A.K.A. Donald. A.K.A. Donald. <laughs> yeah, so Donald pops out in 1918. Like, you just got back from— Yeah, they fucking. Yeah, they that's fucking. That's what they got to do. And then their lives changed a lot in the 20s because that's when they started to become like very involved in the occult when Edna's yeah, yeah, not yeah. making as much money. She starts working at the Philosopher's Nook. I saw one source say that it was her sister's bookstore. Oh, But uh, I'm not sure of that. Yeah, I, I've not, I didn't. I don't know. I mean, yeah, and they were like they were dirt fucking poor. They were. Yeah, they, they had, moved around a lot yeah, to like different little shitholes. They had fucking nothing, nothing at all. I, I, um. I found a quote from oh, the main source that I looked into uh, for this book uh, or for this podcast is called a uh, it's called Psychic Dictatorship in America, which is pretty hard to find. You can find it on on the internet, uh, which is a fucking great title. Mm-hmm. It's tone. This was written in 1940 by one of their former by one of their former students, fo- yeah. yeah, followers or whatever, uh, disillusioned and writes this scathing like <clears throat> fucking 200. It is page very book. scathing. It is. I mean, he's pissed. Um, is he just going to be talking about how fucking poor they were? No, no, no. This is a letter from a a medium, like a spiritualist medium, who they she's got a good letter uh, about that 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 show that kind of showcases what they were doing during this time. Yeah, yeah. Because at this time, guy became a practicing medium, fortune teller. He was doing palm readings, rituals, seances. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. rich old ladies ate it up. Yeah, and they were like they were they were super into it, and they were also like. This motherfucker was all about gold. He was. So, well, just with all of this occult knowledge that is be- guys being exposed to, it's sort of like tapping into that his desire for that hidden treasure that he's been seeking, like yeah, that thing that yeah, he yeah. hasn't been able to find. So it's like instead of being able to find literal gold beneath the earth, he's like, oh, shit. 
there's this rich like spirit world all around us. That's probably not what he would call it, but just this world of influence and manipulation that if he could tap into that, then maybe he could use those sort of newly developed powers of manipulation to then yeah. find the gold. Yeah, because they were like their obsession with the with the occult was like they wanted to find the big secret. Yeah. The occultists that knew him were like, oh yeah, they wanted they thought that there was like they could just read enough of this stuff to find the big secret that would allow right. them, you know, mastery over all things, right? And like anyone that's like actually like you know, genuinely studied that shit, there's no this big secret is there's no big secret. The big secret is that it's the it's fun to search for it, but it, there's not actually anything. The to search look for. is the big secret. Yeah, the secret. search is the thing. Yeah, like that's that's the whole fucking. So it's the friends we made along the way. But it literally, fucking is. That's it li- literally, that's it. literally this. That's the big secret. So, <laughs> <laughs> this is a letter written to uh, Gerald Bryan, the uh, dude who wrote Psychic Dictatorship in America, and this is from a uh, an old an old medium who knew them for a long time. Uh-huh. Okay, so. She says, uh, I wrote to the Ballards for four years steady every week. Then my husband died. They invited me to visit them in Chicago, which I did on March 12th, 1919. I lived with them for seven months, sharing their poverty, their sorrows, and their woes, for they were as poor as the proverbial church mouse. They induced me to finance the trip to California. The baby Eudonia, Eudonia, that's his name. Ah, yes. Donald was just five years old. That's Um, who financed their trip. I was wondering, this is the first one where they come back empty handed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So while in San Francisco, this great idea of guys was born. We went to a, a fake blank church and there was a lot of chicanery. The priest and priestess sitting in two gold chairs. It's like redacted. I get. We went to a fake redacted church. Yeah, they went to some church to yeah. find out who they're going to copy for their thing. Yeah, and there was a lot of chicanery. The priest and priestess sitting in two gold chairs with the 12 Vestal Virgins as the choir. Behind them was a great illuminated cross with flashing lights. During the service, the very lightly clad virgins threw flowers among the audience. It was a scream. Afterwards came the love feast. A virgin held a basket of strips of bread, and the audience were asked to join this holy order, which was non-sectarian. Another virgin held a loving cup of wine. Talk of hypnosis. Would you believe it? Over 150 people went forward and partook of that sacrilegious feast, a parody upon the Lord's Supper. During the scene, Guy's face was a study. He was enchanted with the show, but did not join the church. As soon as he reached the sidewalk, he could not stop talking about it. Oh my God, yeah. And from what I now hear, he has fashioned his church upon the same lines with his illuminated background. He could not stop talking about this laughable service. Guy had one obsession. He wanted to find a gold mine. He had dabbled a bit in mining, prospecting, etc. He also studied hypnotism at this time, but was a bit afraid of it. His idea in bringing me to Chicago was that I might lead him to a gold mine because I was a medium and had a spirit guide. My guide offended them both. For one night, he told Edna that she had better stop right where they were, that she would become... Here, this woman quotes what the spirit guide said about Edna launching a great deception. Why didn't you print that, Gerald? What the fuck? Yeah. I want to hear that. Yeah, but she says, like, her spirit guide told her that Edna would launch a great deception. Okay. Which is exactly, which is like That's she, exactly what she went and fucking did. And she was the brains. Edna yeah. was the brains of the operation. She was the, she was the master. Oh my God. How do you think Edna felt when she like heard the lady? She was like, oh, can you not blow up my spot right now? Right, exactly. Fucking bitch. Guy, on the other hand, thought he could manage the spirit guide. He was like, he was like, ah, oh, yeah, don't worry about that. No. Yeah. No need to pay any attention to the spirit guide. I've got that. So she continues. 
We traveled to the top of the Sierras and lived in a tiny cottage next door to a gold mine. Every day, either he and I walked out on the mountains or Edna and he wandered to far distant places while I took care of the dream child. Guy was determined to find... That's Eudonia, of course. Eudonia Eros Donald. The dream child. Yeah. Guy was determined to find that gold mine. There was no money in the house and we lived upon practically nothing. So one day in September, I remember it was the 21st, I was exploring the little village of about 20 houses when I came across a tall white shaft... Number um, 10 up to 150. Um, um, Why? What's that? I asked. The game they play in Coney Island? <laughs> tall white shaft? Uh, no, ma'am, replied the native. I don't know if I gave him that accent. <laughs> that be the snow gauge. After this month, you won't see. They're in California. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> Surf's up. <laughs> uh, that be the snow gauge. After this month, you won't see anything but the roofs of the houses, uh, even the horses go on snowshoes. Well, sir, I prayed hard to get out of discovering a gold mine, and strange to relate, in a day or two, a registered letter came to me inviting me to Ontario, Canada. So, what she's saying is, uh, they're up there looking for gold. Ain't finding any. Ain't finding any. She goes and she sees this snow measurer. Yeah. And the the dude working the snow measure, he's like, yeah, in a month, um... Everything's going to be under snow. But Guy and Edna are like, just like looking for gold, both yeah. spiritually and physically and like being fucking. And so she, this medium like prays to just get out of it. And then she gets a letter uh, inviting her to go to Ontario, yeah. Canada. Yeah. Like, I'd also like as soon as the dude was like, just so you know, it's going to like snow really fucking bad. I'd be like, <sighs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Because we're running out of money. Yes. My money. Yeah. Uh, she says, uh, I took the next train out of the nearest station, and that's the last I saw of the Ballards, until I ran into a group of people who, with bated breath and fear in their eyes, told me of the wonders they'd perform. Yes. Wow. She should have taken the dream child with her. No, you don't want fucking Donald. That's gr- He's gross. So that was when Donald was five? Yes. Okay. I have a story from Donald as a six-year-old. Okay. About witnessing his father's gifts. Sometimes Papa would become very, very still, and something like this, I feel like Kutumi's coming. He would be very still, then close his eyes, something of a heavy shudder would run through his body, and then the master would begin to speak through him. Oh, God. And and Donald didn't write this when he was five. He uh, was was an old old fucking dude. There would be other masters besides Kutumi and Moria. There was a Chinese master by the name of Chan. And then one day, I know. Oh, fucking God. (sighs) Then one day, oh, I suspect maybe a year or two after my earliest recollections, St. Germain spoke to us through Papa. This would put it between 1924 and 1926 sometimes, which is, it's interesting that Donald is saying that Guy first started channeling St. Germain in 1926 because by his own books, he says that he didn't encounter St. Germain until... Donald was in on the grift. Yeah. He was... When they were doing their shit, he was 16. And a 1935 16-year-old 16, 16 is different than a 2021 20, 16-year-old. You know what I mean? Like, Donald right. was a man by then. He was in on the grift. Right. Um, you know, he'd sometimes, he was with them the entire way. This timeline doesn't add up with, like... Exactly, because Donald's making it up later on. Yeah. Yeah, he just made that shit up. I don't believe a word of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, or he's just trying to, like, validate his father's gifts in this, like, letter that he wrote. I don't know. I think, I, 
I'm I love the, more the heavy this. shudder through yeah. his body. <sighs> no, I definitely get the sense that that the 16 year old Donald, when they were on the road and ship, he was part of the crew, the crew of Guy, Edna, and and Donald. I think he oh, was. Oh well, yeah, of he it. was one of the only ones that was gifted with the ability yes. to send to spread the messages he of the was masters. Spiritually on the same, which is interesting. Not the masters cults, didn't talk to everybody, right? And not a lot of cults have three people essentially as equal partners. Mm-hmm. In fact, I can't think of another. This did, which it's like, it's more of a, a cult He's crime dream family. Boy. Yeah. But an equal partner in this, which is yeah. fucking very interesting. He's not like normally in this situation, you'd be like, Oh, that poor kid. Right. right. And like, okay. Yeah. This sucks. Like, yeah. But like nature versus nurture. I don't know. It's he did. He wasn't like, they didn't abuse him or anything. They treated him with respect and they, Oh, yeah. Brought him into the family business. Mm -hmm. And it was the family business. So they come back empty-handed. So how the fuck are they going to make money? Because they're broke. Yeah. Are they going to perhaps buy and sell more stocks in these quote-unquote mines? These mines that may or may not exist. Yeah. Uh I'm. I think he continued to try to do that like throughout his life. Yeah. Yeah. But that wasn't. It wasn't working out quite well. Um, no, it wasn't because a lot of the people he mowed, he mowed money, he owed money to, uh, came looking for him. Well, when, when was that? When did they first start coming looking for him? Around 1929. Okay. All right. Cause there's, there's a big dramatic event that happens in the mid thirties. That's mm-hmm. pretty funny, but. Yeah. This so, is still leading up into the thirties. So they, they came, they came. They came a knock in. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. some of the people that were suspicious of him looked into his book chemo bookkeeping and discovered that he actually never intended to like pay them back ever. Oh, oh no way. Yeah. So they then took that information to the Chicago police. Yeah. And of course this is like the time of the great depression. So people fucking want their money back. Like, please pay us back. He was indicted with the charge of obtaining money and goods by means of the confidence game. Yes. And a warrant was placed for his arrest, which is why he fled the state and his family to go to California. And Edna understood. She right. was like, do what you need to do, honey. I know. I'll take care of Dream Boy. Because she didn't want him to go to prison. Of course not. No, they were, yeah, they, they loved each other. Yeah. As fucking awful as both of them are, they loved each other. So he's got to flee the state to avoid the charges of the confidence game, which yeah, is yeah, great. Yeah. It's just fucking hilarious. What it, does that charge still exist? I mean, I'm sh- probably in different, different, they just call it fraud. Yeah, they call, yeah fraud. So we're, we've now established like why he's over in California. Right. Like what, <laughs> what led him over there? It's that he pissed off too many people in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. So now how is he going to gain uh, his reputation and his money back? Yeah, well, where, uh, where did he run to? Oh, you know, just the, the beautiful mountain that, that we all know about. That spooky, spooky mountain. Mount Shasta. Mount Shasta. Shasta. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... Mount Shasta is a spooky fucking mountain. At the southern tip of the Cascade Mountain Range and 15 miles west of the rest of the Cascades, the four peaks that make up Mount Shasta's form jut into lenticular clouds that envelop its summit, like parapets of the Fortress of Heaven. It's a beautiful place to be inspired to come up with some bullshit. Yeah. There have been countless legends told about Mount Shasta, Native American myths, uh, 1800s uh, Lemurian myths, UFO myths, strange disappearances, and underground cities. 
and the, I believe it was the dude who wrote about uh, either Lemurians or UF or an, under, an underground city, um, Telos or something. He was like, I can't fucking believe I played a part in, in fucking Guy Ballard. Like, yeah. And because uh, here comes Guy to mm-hmm. ruin the reputation of this majestic mountain And you know forever. what's so funny? In his first book, Unveiled Mysteries, which was written in 1934, that's where he tells the story of, you know, him being on Mount Shasta, blah, blah, yes. blah. And this takes... The story takes place in 1930, and we know that he's there because he's had to run from the law, but he says in the book that he was sent there on government business. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> he's already just like, I've, I mean, I've done that joke before. I mean, I'm just he's like, not wrong entirely. When but I've been, when, I mean, if I've been drinking for like 36 hours straight or something, like I've been, you know, I've been known to, you know, just start, I am the government. Yeah. And like, I mean it too at that point. I'm yeah, the government. He, uh, he's doing, I, I understand. He was sent on government business. He is the government. <laughs> so he's there on government business. Yeah. And, you know, he explains, he's heard rumors of this group of divine men named the Brotherhood of Mount Shasta. And he's going to investigate this in his spare time. I'm what, <laughs> like, you got spare time while you're on government business? I don't know. What's the government business? He it's not just really government. specified. It's just government. Nothing is ever like truly adequately specified to, want, to my liking. <laughs> you want to play a fun game? Um, just like go knock on random doors and uh, when they open, just say like, hello, I'm from the government. And then just like record what happens. Don't film <laughs> it. Like I mean like in a shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like or yeah, do it until you yeah. fall over. So, so he's uh, trying to find this divine brotherhood, and he's wandering around the mountain, and then he he's thirsty, so he's going to go get a drink of water, and he encounters this odd man. He figures it's another hiker, and this man says, like, He says, my brother, my brother, if you will hand me your cup, I will give you a much more refreshing drink than spring water. He obeys, and instantly the cup is filled with, end quote, a creamy liquid. I don't like it. Handing it back to him, he says, drink it. <laughs> and he drinks it, and it's delicious and electrifying. <laughs> it's like, it, it's electrifying. When something is described as like it sends electricity through your body, it's like, whoa. That's yeah. like horniness. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's what horniness feels like. That's the overused <laughs> way of. Ooh, it's all tingly. That's what the fucking supermarket romance novels yeah. used to describe that. Yeah. yeah. So he he drinks the creamy stuff and he lets this random hiker like bullshit to him about the laws of the universe and blah, blah, blah. And eventually the hiker is like, well, you've been a good boy, so I'm going to tell you who I really am. Okay. And guy's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> this is a moment I've been waiting for. Yeah. Well, it's St. Germain. Saint Germain. He, I think he does. Just, he does introduce himself as the Count of Saint Germain. Mm-hmm. He hasn't dropped the count yet. Yeah. The legendary alchemist, philosopher, yes. and man about town. See, he had never found a European man worthy of his teachings. <laughs> and due to their lack of enlightened men, Germain had to travel to America. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. There's never been a European man worthy of St. Germain. Like, just hundreds of years wasted. Just, (laughs) fuck, I I just had to go to America this whole time. Not once. The Count of St. Germain could have gone to America. There's no record of him doing that. Yeah. He didn't give a shit about America. Well, he had to travel to America to, to seek out Guy Ballard specifically. Right. 
because, you know, they had had so many past lives together or some stupid bullshit like that. Because he knew Guy was the only man, the only one with whom he could share his secret. Mm. You know, because St. Germain himself had been tasked with leading the human race through the Aryan Age of Aquarius or uh, the seventh plane of existence into the light of the violet flame. Just a bunch of words that are just, just words. You know, that's what St. Germain's been tasked with. And you know who's going to help him? It's Guy. So St. Germain designates Guy, his wife Edna, and their son Eudonia Eros Donald as the only accredited messengers that can speak for St. Germain and help them bring upon the new seventh golden age. Accredited messengers. Yes. They ascended messengers. They have certificates. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Yeah. So. I think it's interesting how a lot of these sort of channeling people or people that are contacted by otherworldly entities always say, I'm the only one they're talking to. They told me. They're not talking to anyone else, okay? I'm the only one that can speak for them. Yeah. Like, so, really? Makes you so special. And, I mean, the interesting thing is, like, anybody can just go then listen to one of the other channelers and hear them say the same thing. About the same person. About the same person. It's just like, what, you didn't? You just didn't, that didn't ring any, raise any red flags, like none at all, which is an interesting thing how, what it seems like, it seems to me like there are some people who just don't have red flags in their brain Mm -hmm. and there's just no red flags ever get raised. And so they just go, yeah, okay. All right. I'm with it. Which I respect that attitude that, yeah, I'm down. But I mean, that's how the Nazis happen. That That ain't cool at all. That ain't cool. So now he's had the creamy liquid. He's like, oh, my God, it's St. Germain. Oh, my God, I'm so special. St. Germain's going to take him on like a little, you know, let me show you one of your past lives. So he takes Guy back in time. Yes. They rise up from the ground. They, they vibrate a whole bunch. I wonder if this is like in Twilight when Bella jumps on Edward's back and he like flies and he's like sprinting. You've never seen Twilight, no, of course. No, no, no. But um, someone who's listening to this has when like Edward's sprinting and Bella's on his back. It's I'm imagining Mormon propaganda. I'm imagining Twilight that's, is just Mormon propaganda. Is it? Yeah. 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 Perhaps. It's all had a sanctity. Anyway, virgin, guy, yeah, yeah. guys on Saint Germain's back, and they're like flitting through time and space. Saint Germain like lifts up into the air. They're holding each other so that they don't get lost in you know the the multiverse. And then all of a sudden, they're in a village in the south of France, and they're looking down. St. Germain says, Here you were born as an only child, the daughter of a beautiful woman whose life was an example of idealism far in advance of the majority in that period. Mm. Your father was a most devoted husband and companion, highly cultured and inspired by the early Christian spirit. Mm. Yes. So he goes on to tell him, to tell Guy that, you know, he's a, he's a beautiful little girl who sings at church and she's so talented and she studied with the teacher. She moved to Paris with this teacher. They sang before the Queen of France. She was so, 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 so successful until suddenly both of her parents died. Oh, no. She fell into a deep depression. But then when she started to work again, the quality of her voice had taken on this beautiful intonation of sadness and, and grief that it didn't have before, the depth of her voice. And now a man decided to become the director 
of her public work, and she accepted this man was very successful. They became very close, and he was her confidant and basically her manager. And when she suddenly fell ill and passed away, she instructed this man to give away her riches. Oh. You know, just give them away. Give them I away. don't need them. I'm dead, you know, just... Mm. But instead of doing that, the spirit of greed overtook this man, Dun-da-da. and he did not give away her money. What'd he do with it? He kept it for himself. What a piece of shit. And this man was actually a business associate of guys in this life, the man that <gasps> fucked him over in the past life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, guy. Like, what a... I wonder if that business associate, like, ever became aware of this. But yeah, so they they met in this life so that the man who had stolen from him in the past could perhaps right his wrong, but he never did. And it's just like, guy, you should be afraid of what's going to happen to you if if you believe at all in this reincarnation Yo, stuff, which I don't think he does. I, so but I, I don't, I'm getting a... He should be afraid for his soul. Yeah, I'm getting a weird uh, sense of like something I didn't see before. Because uh, like you, you see that this stuff makes no fucking sense. Yeah. Whatsoever. But then, like, I, you know, I was reading a lot more about the history and shit, and you really dug into, like, uh, guys' writings, like the Godfrey Ray King books. It's hard to read, so it's, I didn't do that much, well, but yeah. Well, I mean, you at least, you, at least read, you, you, you found yeah. that. And, like, it, it starting to feel to me, like, with all the—like, we've established they're fucking smart. Yeah. Right? They're, they are intelligent. They've read a lot of occult books. Mm-hmm. And but they were greedy, and, and they didn't find what they were looking for, the big secret— Right. Right. So it seems to me like they got cynical about all of it, mm-hmm. and that like this shit, like they're they just they're like, oh, this is why it works. It's because it's written like this, not because of any real idea. Yeah. And so they just like, like I bet we can fucking do that. We can. This is all bullshit. We didn't get what we were looking for. Yeah. So it ha- we didn't get the gold. So it has to be bullshit. Because what good is fucking magic if it's not getting you gold? Exactly. Right. And so they're like, fuck all this. So they. It feels to me like they intentionally, like all of this shit is intentional and like they knew they had struck gold mm-hmm. with it. Like they fucking, they had ex- extreme confidence. Yeah. Which is terrifying because it means they did actually become powerful magicians. I mean, they did. Yeah. Like, they got yeah. very fucking rich, like really rich. Yeah. Um, which must have been like crazy for a guy to experience too. Cause imagine he's sort of, he's like 58 when this pops off. Right. So he has lived most of his life. Yeah. And he's lived most of his life having a pretty modest existence. Yeah. Um, if not impoverished at certain points. Oh, but dirt so, fucking poor. Yeah. So now he's it. got like five cars, a fucking mansion. Well, not yet. But not by the yet, end, but yes. he will. Yes, he will. So, and in such a short period of time, too. Oh, it's insane. Which is what why this part of the story, like, give pay attention to this. Yeah. Because, like, this whole fucking thing with, oh, this man was supposed to give away your fortune, but instead he he kept it, and now he's being punished in in this life. Right. Like, what if, how rich is that for him to include in his book? My God. Even though, like, yeah, I, I guess he was pretty successful by by the point that he was writing that. 1934? No, no, not at all. Okay. No. Well then, well then how, how interesting. Writing, when, when Veiled Mysteries is published, that's the first thing that happens. Yeah. That's the first in the crescendo. Because you would think that the things in this book would sort of reflect his values as a person, but they're, 
more of a performance to like his followers of look how good of a person I am. Like, look at how moral this is. Yeah. 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 Even though he is so immoral. Right. But and yeah, so I mean, hypocritical. He's just- they always were like they got yeah. cynical. You know what I mean? Like they were like fuck every. I mean, having gone through World War One, okay, mm-hmm. that's gonna turn you fucking cynical. And the depression. Yes, those things have jaded him. Yeah, and so like he knew what values he needed to reflect mm-hmm. to get people on the hook. You know, I imagine there were inklings like leading up to war that uh, definitely influenced their teachings. Oh yeah, so many like, of the uh, decrees are about keeping America out of war. Right. And I imagine that's probably inspired by their experience going through World War One. Yeah, that and well, we'll get to the other the other side in a little bit. But so where are where are we right now? We're in nineteen thirty, this this experience that yes. he has had. And also he was reading the life and teachings of the masters of the Far East by Bard Spaulding at this time, like while he was writing letters talking about meeting St. Germain and Mount Shasta, okay. which basically is uh, about the same fucking thing. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's a, that's another case of him pretty much just uh, stealing All right, other people's that, works, yeah. which we'll get more into. I don't think we've touched on that quite yet. Not quite. But he is a notorious plagiarizer. Yeah. Uh, Gerald Bryan suggests that he didn't actually write any of the books. It yeah. Was all, it was all Edna. All Lotus. Yeah, like, he might have been the idea man and the performer, but like she was the architect. I think she was more in love with Godfrey Ray King than Guy Ballard, which yeah. is Guy Ballard's like uh, pseudonym alter ego in yeah. which all of his books are titled or are authored by. And but they name, might not be authored by him. They might be authored by his wife. Right. I mean, her name, she didn't like actually publish any books under her name, but she still, she went by Lotus Ray King. Yeah. Um, and Godfrey Ray King. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think Godfrey was more important to her than Guy was. Well, so was Lotus too. Yeah. Like, you know, she and. Total separation from their past life. I, I mean, I think she was trying to like, she really was willing this different existence, this mm-hmm. one of beauty and, you know splendor and pageantry. And it's interesting to think of her sort of writing the books or coming up with the things like she's in them. the engine that's driving this whole fucking thing. Because these books are, some of them are so fantastical, like uh, yeah, the yeah. reanimation of 700,000 year old bodies that come back to life for like time travel, crystal mirrors that will show you your past lives yeah, and it's stuff. Crazy shit. Like, so we got, you know, they're kind of creative mind, even if she's just copying it from other places. Most um, pieces of art and media are copied from other places. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that crazy shit that you that you see people go, whoa, what the fuck are you saying about how the hell is that? How do you, how, how do you believe that? Well, because these guys wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, between 1930 um, and 1932, what they were, like, what they were doing is just, like, perfecting this this bit ostensibly according to them guy was getting messages from saint germain and this is he had returned to um chicago at this point yeah um and so he's back home he had the thing and he's getting messages from saint germain now just saint germain not the count but yeah saint germain via this light and sound ray which like i guess is just like a radio wave I, that's kind of how i like it's both a light and sound ray that carries the the shit and then he would later say that he, he would see the letters written in like fiery script and that was how it oh. was communicated to him on stage, but also as a light and sound ray. So maybe 
It was both. There's a lot of inconsistency. So don't worry about the inconsistency. Like, so how are these telepathic and are their telepathic messages or the words appear written in front of him, not in his mind? And he can see them and hear them too. But yeah, it is like a So there's many different ways that the messages uh, can come to him. I guess so. All right. There is, but the light and sound ray is a big, it always comes via that delivery method. Oh yeah. They're all about the lights and the rays and the first ray, second ray, third ray. Twin rays, which is the yes. the term that turned into twin flame. So after that, like, as perhaps, like, guys dreaming up this, like, ideas or, like, perfecting characters, whatever, Edna's writing, you know, the scripts and shit. And um, then they founded the St. Germain Foundation in 1932 in Chicago. And this is the parent organization of what would become the, very quickly, the IM activity. Mm-hmm. And in these next two years, between 1932 and 1934, they started practicing the Two people in these small closed groups yeah. of only like, you know, 10 to 12 people. And it wasn't like, it wasn't because they couldn't get any more. They needed just a small test audience. Like they were fucking meticulous in how they road Which tested this shit. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. There's so much intention behind like every one of these fucking things. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1934, after the, you know, the testing of all this shit, like we got the act down. Then St. Germain press or St. Germain Foundation publishes Unveiled Mysteries. Yeah, the first book where he talks about meeting St. Germain and blah, blah, blah. And this is where we're going to take an interlude into talking about a different piece of shit for a little bit. William Dudley Pelly. This motherfucker. He was a uh, fascist mystic, occult author, and uh, politician Mm -hmm. in the early 1900s. He... uh, he claimed to have contacts in the Secret Service and Hoover administration. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. I'm sure he has Q clearance, too. Right, exactly. And yeah. And in uh, 1929, he writes this book. Or it's like a— Essay. It's, a, it's an essay. It gets published in a magazine called Seven Minutes in Eternity. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember playing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like when you do seven minutes in heaven with someone that you like don't want to be there with. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seven minutes in eternity. It, yeah. Feels That's so much longer than seven minutes. Oh, I was an eternity in that fucking closet. <laughs> yeah, seven minutes in eternity about being, he's in his bungalow in the Sierra Madres in California mm-hmm. and he's whisked away to a, uh, this other realm. Yeah, realm he, that, he has his obe. Yeah, his, old, o, his, his OBE. Yes. Out of body experience mm-hmm. for you casuals. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, he, you know, humans aren't supposed to come back from this, and, and the place is just full of fucking masters. It's where yeah, all, just, it's just, it's just, just crawling. It's just lousy it's like a with club a, It's for lousy a, with masters. Yeah. A club for a master's club. club for a master's. <laughs> and uh, when he gets back and he, he returns, even though humans shouldn't be able to return, these masters uh, just start dictating messages to Pelly, and uh, his story, Seven Minutes in Eternity, is like an overnight sensation. People love it; they're eating this shit up. And so he starts his own magazine called The New Liberator. Okay, full of occult articles yeah. by Pelly and messages from That's the masters. That's not its full name, though. What's the full name? The full name is The New Liberator, the magazine of earthly illumination from the wider and higher worlds. Good. Thank you for sharing. Holy shit. Yeah. All right. Earthly illumination from wider, higher worlds. God. So gradually, Pelly's occultism started to take on a political coloring and flavor. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't like, it wasn't long before he was publishing uh, stirring ideas and plans about a 
new government in America. Yes. And he labeled um, these ideas soul craft. Soul craft. That, yes. His combination of spiritual political stuff. It's yeah. soul craft. And he had a, he wrote like an economics book called Christian Economics. And mm, uh, he had a concept yeah. called Christian Democracy. And at the beginning of 1933, Pelley started, uh, William Pelley started a group uh, called the Silver Shirt Legion. Mm-hmm. Or the Silver, or the Silver Legion. Yeah, it's the Silver Legion. Silver Legion of America or Silver Shirts. Yeah, the Silver Shirts is like the more casual name. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of how everyone referred to. It. And he, uh, you know, had he had groups of them. There were his stormtroopers. You know, <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he organized in like many uh, parts of the country. Um, they had like, you know, offshoots and little groups of mm-hmm. Christian dudes with really clean haircuts and matching shirts. Yeah, that and were really stockpiles fucking, of weapons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Stormtroopers, they were called. Yes. Um, in 1932, he founded the Center for Christian Economics, Nashville. Uh, in 1936, he would, he ran for president, was roundly defeated. But in 1940, uh, he was indicted by the Un-American Activities Committee for promoting uh, fascism, Nazis, like, to, to, you know. Uh, okay, so yeah. they were like, no more. You, you, you can't better do that. Well, shut sh- the shit down. Uh, he... He said on try. He said if he had succeeded, he would have been in charge of the country. If he if his plans had succeeded, and I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for you rotten kids. Uh, Gerald Bryan says he he said this wistfully. Yeah, um, of course he um, did. He, he, he I could have like, had it all. Yeah, but he's like if my plans had succeeded, I would have been in charge of the country, and he would have modeled the government after Hitler. He said he would have dealt with the Jews too, though did not endorse Hitler's exact methods. Uh, delightful. Now. He, he, yeah, he didn't get, but I mentioned he ran, he he ran afoul of the law in 1932, right? Mm -hmm. That's also when he launched Liberation Magazine that was entirely channeled. So (laughs) what happened, what that means is, um, all the newspapers and radio stations were like, you can't be on our program anymore. Yeah. Like they, he wasn't allowed on the radio. He wasn't. Sorry, you're persona non grata. You're kicked off of YouTube, Alex Jones. Yeah. Exactly. He got yeah. fucking Alex Jones. Indeed. Exactly. Cancel culture. Yeah. Literally. Way back in the 30s. Wow. It's like everything has always been happening. I know. Wow. Oh, imagine if Pele knew the term cancel culture. It's it's like it's like crazy. It's it's like it's like pieces of shit uh, have a tendency to have other people say, um, "Not not on my station." Yeah. Huh. Interesting. But that's all we really need to know about him uh, for now, because during this legal time. I really one second okay. though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like this um, disclaimer that he put in Liberation magazine at the beginning of it that said the contents of this magazine, unless otherwise designated, were obtained clairaudiently via the psychic uh-huh. radio from great souls who have graduated out of this three D world to other areas of time and space. Mental so, radio. So don't hold me accountable for the contents of this magazine, okay? I just channeled it right. from the masters, not me. Yeah, it's yeah. divine knowledge. I'm just, I'm just the messenger. Just the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just asking questions. Yeah. So that, yeah, I thought mm-hmm. that was good. Hell yeah. Now, when he got blackballed um, down in Asheville, uh, the the Ballards sensed an interesting opportunity. We can steal their followers. Yeah. And then not just their followers. They went right for Pelly's right-hand man and treasurer, who was a little bit like, I don't know if I want yes. to be about that. They wrote a fucking letter to, to this dude and basically saying, um, you know— so we know you're out of a job. But very St. Germain-y. Yeah. Well, like sort of like, 
you know, he's got good ideas, but like we have a place where everything's beautiful. Nothing hurts. Mm-hmm. It's like that. He didn't have a quote. And like, you know, we have the real teachings. You should come hang out with us and like bring like a few of your like closest guys and like come yeah. to. So they had this secret closed door class, 10 day class all from here on out. All of their classes are 10 day stretches too. Like that's a long enough time to brainwash people. That's some fucking David Icke shit, mm. you know? So they, they bring the 10 of these guys who are like the vast majority of them are the, are silver shirts and the treasurer of the silver shirts. And, you know, Edna had been interested in Pelly's work for a number of years. Mm-hmm. She was a big fan. And in 1930, when Guy was at Mount Shasta, yeah. she was holding classes where she was reading from New Liberator. Mm-hmm. Like when she Guy was, teaching, was yeah. away on government business. When he was on government business, yeah, she was, uh, she was teaching classes about material by the guy who wanted to overthrow the government. Yes. Yes. Yep. Just to be just Taking to be a little page out of his book, literally and figuratively. Yeah. So they're having this closed door class just for these very special people, these silver shirts. And channeling St. Germain, Guy told the attendees in as St. Germain that they were all very, very special. His, end quote, beloved friends of long ago. And that's that, a great way to make friends. Yeah. And that all of the attendees, you know... All, all these people that are there, they're, they're all his beloved friends of long ago. Oh, my God. This is crazy. Yeah. How everybody here is from one of my past lives. Yeah. And spe- one specifically, they're all homies back in the day, 70,000 years ago, in a, in a place where the Sahara Desert is now. And that's interesting because there is a theory that where the Sahara used to be was a plain, and that's where Atlantis was. So mm-hmm. I'm sure that that Yeah, that's was... chapter two of Unveiled Mysteries okay, is word, in word. the Sahara Desert. Ah, interesting. Yes. So- Saint Germain told them that Pelly's plan was partway there, but you know he didn't he didn't have the the magic juice. He didn't have the ascended master cream <laughs> that made <it> to, <laughs> that creamy that liquid that made it really really sizzle. And like you know, it it needed to be blended harmoniously with Saint Germain's own plan for a new government. Saint Germain told the audience that like, well, you can't tell uh, Pelly everything that. I've said, like, you can't tell him all of the, all of the mysteries. He needs to come be a student just like you. Yeah. Uh, he declined <laughs> when they, when they asked him point blank, he said, fuck you. Yeah. He's like, nah, yeah. I'm all set. But dude. I'm spinning my own webs of bullshit. Yeah. But they got who they needed. They got like enough high ranking silver shirts and the fucking treasurer. Right. Mm hmm. To make them feel legit enough. Right. So now they have this book they've been working on for a while. Mm-hmm. They have this performance that they've been doing for fucking, I mean, they've been working on it for what, 20 fucking years? Yeah. Uh, you know, since um, since that medium went with them to that fucking. Yeah, that was 1919. Yeah. yeah that they yeah, did yeah. their little. Their little trip there. So for a fucking while, they've been perfecting this act. And remember, Edna was a professional performer. She was a concert musician. She knew how plays. Mm-hmm were put together and she knew the steps and shit, right? And now they have a network of fucking Nazis, right? Mm-hmm. It's time to take this motherfucker on the road. It's true. They can't perform in Chicago because Guy is still a persona non grata. Yeah, <laughs> too many people know who he is. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting too, like that with this network of uh, Silver Shirt Legionnaires, they don't have to do hardly any of the fucking groundwork yeah. that most like cult leaders and shit have to, have to do because what would happen was the silver shirts would contact their people in the different cities they would go to mm-hmm. and they would prime the citizens there that this uh, these amazing teachers 
who were wanted to, you know, save Christian democracy. It's so and clever. Shit. It's fucking genius. Uh, you know, they were coming to town and like, oh yeah, my God. it's going to be that's amazing. Like, so that's like, if you're going to perform at a bar that night, you have some friends, like, I yeah. don't know, go there to hang out beforehand and like yeah, talk yeah. you up or something. Be like, mm-hmm. yo, my friend's playing tonight. She's really awesome. Yeah, exactly. Fucking exactly. She totally donates to her. So the first town they went to was Philadelphia in October of 1934. And, uh, oh, they fucking crushed it. Yeah, I bet. They crushed it. Uh, Ten days of nonstop ascended bullshit. And when they left, the people were clamoring for more of St. Germain's miracles. Well, Uh, it's like that uh, show that Guy and his friend went to where he was so transfixed by the the Vestal Virgins and the, you know, everything there. And he was sitting there thinking... I'm going to do this one I'm going to do, I can do this. Because for them at that moment, I think they're both broke as shit. They're going to church, but this is not just regular church. And they're just there to, you know, check it out. But regardless, for anyone there, um, it's church, but it's also like theater. It's a performance. It's kind of fun. It's kind of like, and it's a little bit like glamorous too. So you get to feel sort of that, a bit of prestige just by being in in such an extravagant setting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think that's what Guy really sought to emulate, and that's what he gave, too. Yeah, I mean— um, Guy and Lotus. Just describe them a little more, because I think it's 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 interesting, their, their dynamic. Creepy, creepy vampire. Edna was—she was hardworking, shrewd, determined, ambitious. Like, she was the bookie—like, she is— she, Saint Germain uh, nicknamed her Little Dynamite, actually. Aw. Yeah, Little Dynamite. Wow, Saint Germain has a nickname for her? Nice. Guy was Big Dynamite. He was the dreamer. He was the wistful. He had the look of a mystic in his eyes, just looking off into the distance. He knew things, right? He didn't, you don't know what, but he just fucking knew things. He was the artist, the storyteller, the dreamer, you know? Gerald Bryan describes Guy's performance because. Edna Lotus never really talked. Like she might say a little bit, but she was just sitting there looking beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, even just, though she's actually kind of like she's whole right. brains behind the operation, but she's one half. The other half is the performance. Yeah. Gerald Bryan uses the phrase to describe how Guy performed. He uses the phrase emotional pyrotechnics. How Guy could just go from bombastic to just so sweet and talking about. Uh, how everyone was, you know, like his, his beloveds. Yeah. Yeah. He had it so down and he could just wrap you in his, uh, you know, emotional grip. I love like the little movie montage scene that's happening in my mind of guy visiting all of these different churches and like watching all of the different performances from the preachers and watching the audience and just like put, taking it all in. He's alone on Mount Shasta. He's standing on a fucking stump and he's practicing this to an imaginary crowd. Yeah. Yeah. He did, yeah, he did, absolutely. Got, uh, Edna's like crumpling up pieces of paper out of a typewriter, throwing them away, crossing yeah, out, yeah. not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <sighs> impressive. Mm-hmm. But good God, fucking. Oh. And I like that they even roped uh, Donald's wife into this at one point. Did they now? Yeah, when he became old enough and had a wife. Yeah. They made her like. Well, they didn't make her an Ascended Master, but they did make paintings of Ascended Masters based on her likeliness. Okay. So, until she uh, fucked off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, from the first road shows they gave in Philadelphia to the end of the line, they went from, like, you know, even though they had an audience primed, they 
no one, still no one knew who the fuck they were. Right. right? And very qu- in the course of a year, they would become superstars. Um, but the, the general, you know, and the, and the shows got more and more ornate and more and more <laughs> expensive as, right, yeah. as it went on. Right. But the general gist was like, you know, you'd, you'd show up and there was, you know, all these people dressed in white and shit and uh, other colors, not black or red, though. No. No, that's evil. Most ideally, they would be dressed in gold and purple. The men in white. Okay. And the women in gold and purple. Okay, yeah. yeah. No red and black, though. No, that's evil. Also, the colors of communism at the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, communism and anarchism. Yeah, Anarch- there you anarchism. go. Um, there you have it. Evil. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you'd show up and, like, you'd say, what's going to happen here? And then, like, an announcer would come up. You'd see that there's, like, these American flags on the walls, and then there's this, like, portrait of Jesus— and then next to it is a portrait of another dude who looks just like white Jesus, except it looks more important. A little important. different, yeah. yeah. A little bit more germane I'm A little more germane yeah. Yeah, a little more germy. And like, you know, there'd be an announcer or something and, you know, talk him up. And, and then like there'd be like, you know, lights and, and then this this dude. Well, first Edna would, would walk up and take a seat and she was just in this beautiful dress. Although at the beginning, I don't know how fancy their clothes were. Their clothes probably just got fancier and fancier as it went on. Mm-hmm. And then Guy would walk up to the microphone in a white suit. And sometimes if he was feeling real spicy, like a purple cape or a violet uh, cape. Yeah, the violet the flame. The violet flame, yeah. And then he would just channel St. Germain uh, at people. And they would like, when you walked in and sat down, they would give you a envelope that uh, said love gift on it. And That's for you to put your money in. Yeah, it's not a gift for you. It's the later on in the show, uh, St. Germain says like, well, you, the law of the masters is you, you, you can only receive if you give. So if yeah. you want material benefit, being there. if you want material benefit, you have to put some money in the love gift envelope and put it in the box that has the label love box. Like, <laughs> show us you love us. Yeah. And so the first show they did, uh, after 10 days, they split between themselves, the Ballards, and the assistant director, who was William Pelly's former treasurer, a cool 300 smackers. 300 smackaroonies. In 1934, at the height of the Depression. Yeah, that's not chump change. It's not fucking chump change at all. That's their first show. And they had used the last of their rent money for the train tickets to Philadelphia. So they were really banking on, like, they, this, this is going to pop off. This, this is going to do it. YOLO. In, in yeah. modern parlance, they YOLO'd on St. Germain. This was, and if this doesn't work out, we'll sell the dream boy. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> you know that was on the table. <laughs> yeah, you know, an orphanage will pay a pretty penny for his plump little butt. So then it was uh, on to New York with the same silver shirt network in place. Yeah, they're they, going on their grand tour. They fucking killed it again. Mm-hmm. And by the time they're done in New York, the beloved ones of uh, Philadelphia wanted more St. Germain. They just yes. didn't, so they fucking gave it to him. They went back, yes. and then by the time they were done in Philadelphia, New York wanted more fucking Saint Germain, so they got it too. Oh my god! And you gotta Ballards, make the people want it. And the Ballards got fucking paid. And they yeah. were also started selling their books uh, this time. Like they would sell the mm-hmm. uh, this is and they were making money off that, you know. And then, yeah, with their Saint Germain Publishing yeah. Foundation. And then it was on to Washington D.C. Oh. It's like they're like they're like surveying the the town they're gonna conquer, you know? Mm-hmm. Cause they're also telling people that they're gonna overthrow the government. Yeah, Washington DC is the logical next step. They didn't go fucking too nuts with that until a bit later yeah. on. But they're um, they're feeling out they're their feeling territory. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But they get to Washington, D.C. in a brand new Ford, brand new fucking car. And this is like a couple months later after they YOLO'd on St. Germain in Philadelphia. Yeah, they made no, um, they didn't hold off on showing their wealth. No. Yeah. And they got it fast. And now it it was here in Washington, D.C. that uh, the associate director learned he started, he started to get some suspicions that perhaps he'd been had, uh, Pelly's former treasurer, whose name— Yeah. Hey, am I getting my cut? Because I noticed you guys, like, you, your car's really it nice. It wasn't that. He was getting his money cut. Okay. It wasn't that. What was it? It was that he was told that he was under St. Germain's divine protection. Oh, shit. Yes. But he broke his leg or something? Well, <laughs> one day, he was, he was getting out of the Ballard's car. It was uh, Guy Nedna, Donald— and this dude, who uh, Gerald Bryan redacted his name, mm-hmm. he was getting out of their car. And he just got fucking hit by another another passing car. <laughs> Saint Germain said, "Fuck you!" Broke his fucking pelvis. He was like almost dying. He nearly died. That would from make this. me a bit disillusioned too. He didn't qu- immediately quit. Like it, that was the start of it. Yeah. But fucking laying there in that hospital bed, like God. He was damn getting it. out of their car, right? Guy Ballard's reasoning. Was that you know, he was just a little too far outside the protection bubble? So what does he need to be five like three he fucking needs, yeah. feet away from you to be in the protection bubble? What the fuck is this? <laughs> does the protection bubble not extend to the engine of the car? Because yeah. that's a pretty useless fucking bubble. Um. Yeah. 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 Let's see. Uh, there's a there's a letter from this dude to uh, Gerald Bryan that in uh, Psychic Dictatorship that I'm gonna grab the dude that got whacked by the car. The dude that got whacked by the car. Yes. This fucking psychic dictatorship in America is so fucking long, and it is not really in chronological chronological order. It's like in topic order. So they give like the brief outline, and then they explain all of it in super depth, yeah. and then move on to another topic. And then so it's like it sounds great if you're not trying to form notes. Oh from god, it. it's an amazing book. It's so much fun to read. Yeah, but it's a really hard book to uh, take notes on. Okay. Here are, here are a few excerpts from his correspondence to uh, the author. You may be interested in knowing that I am the poor sap who found the Ballard stranded out in Chicago and thinking they really had something that would benefit humanity, I took them out and started them on their mad quest. On their mad conquest. God damn. I took them to Philadelphia, New York, Boston, and Washington. And after f- finishing at Washington and leaving there, I was hit by an auto, thrown a hundred feet, and then run over. I was terribly mangled, my head being terribly fractured, and my left leg broken. Jeez. I was driving their car. They gave out that my accident happened because I wasn't in the circle of light with which they had surrounded the car. Yet later on, in St. Petersburg, while Ballard, guy, with Don driving, was in the car, they had an accident. The car was so demolished they had to get a new car and Ballard couldn't finish the classes. I was told he had a rib or two broken. So Donald just put the car into a ditch, like therefore proving that there was no protection. Yeah. I surely should like to see them stop from their lying and deceiving. They told it here in Philadelphia that the real, he says his own name, Died in the hospital, and then the and that the present me now walking around is another entity occupying this wow, body. Wow, that really fucked him up, huh? Yeah, I have no business to tie up with such people. It is a terrible thing to me, and has preyed terribly on my mind and my soul for releasing and starting the terrible thing which they represent. I mean, just don't trust any ideology that says bad things that happen to you are your fault because you didn't worship well right. enough. I mean, and this dude's a Nazi like too. Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck, fuck that guy too. Yeah. But also, just I like, also, I also like that there is a hint of him blaming him getting hit by a car on. Yeah, like there's just a little hint of that. Like he almost feels like he thinks they have I don't know mm-hmm. supernatural powers or something. 
So yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 that. Now after, <laughs> does he credit himself for Donald getting into an accident? No, he's he, what he's oh, saying okay. is that like, and then wouldn't you know? Fucking later on, shitty little Don is driving the car and puts it into a goddamn ditch, destroys the fucking thing, and breaks guys' ribs. You know, like so much yeah. of that bubble of fucking protection. There is no bubble of protection. There, there never is. Not. Like bad things and accidents are just gonna happen. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, like, it was in Washington, D.C. that they started talking to their audience about the new government, St. Germain's mm-hmm. new government and shit, right? Yeah. And Fuck then this they had Roosevelt this, guy. Yeah. They had this whole uh, plan to, like, conquer the South, the entirety of the South. They could do it. Didn't work out that well, I, actually. They were popular in the North, though. Yeah, in the, in the West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The South yeah. Um, loved, loved Jesus a little too much mm-hmm. for that St. Germain. Well, what happened was— they headed down to Florida straight. I guess they were going strategists. Just we're going to go right down to Florida and then we'll have the perfect like angle on the rest of the South, right? Yeah. The attack angle to spread the – quite smart. Um, spread the virus. Yeah. They, they headed down to Miami and uh, this is after Treasurer Dude got all beat up and shit. And the Silver Shirt Legionnaire who had been their contact in Miami, Yeah, he started – he was like, who the fuck are these people? What the? F- he saw their first class, because like his his boy or someone a silver shred just been hit by a fucking car and was in the hospital and like yeah. you know. So this silver shirt guy is hearing that his people are involved with this IM stuff. Yeah, and he's, and been he's been told like, what to the like, fuck? and he's been told to prime the audience for Guy and Edna. Uh huh. You know, he's their guy. And after the first class, he's like, "Oh, holy Never shit! Mind. Fuck this!" So what he does is um. Before Guy and Edna wake up, he goes down to the auditorium early on, like, the second day. Mm-hmm. He puts a, he locks the door with a brand-new padlock, and he puts a big sign on the front that says, Closed by the Order of St. Germain. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, St. Germain's talking to me, too. Fuck you. Yeah, basically. And Guy flipped the fuck out. He called the dude insane for thinking, like, How literally insane you? for thinking that he could speak for St. Germain. Yeah. I mean, who— only Guy, Edna, and Donald are the accredited messengers. Right. You have to be insane to think you're an accredited messenger. Yeah. You would it's have true. to be really You'd have crazy. To be fucking insane. So the salute so they just went, all right, fuck this place. We're not welcome here. They went to St. Petersburg, Florida. Without realizing that St. Petersburg charged five hundred schmucks for a, uh, a a traveling like lecture show to be had. Yeah. So uh then after having told uh, his beloved students of his immortal body and incredible endurance, that's when Guy and Don um, fucked up the family car. Yeah. Right? <laughs> he gets all beat up and shit. And so oh they God. just like— Yeah, it comes in with a black eye. They just wrote off Florida. Yeah, they just, like, like, they this just was left. a failure. Yeah, they just left St. Peter's. Then St. Petersburg would later be claimed by the Scientologists. Yeah. Right? They did a better job. And then they set their sights on a hog that was— Already fattened and ready for the slaughter. Los Angeles. Oh, L.A. is prime for this stuff, too. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So. They moved to L.A. mid-30s? This is early 1935. Okay. Four years. The show's got four more years left. Yeah. Using their network of Silver Shirt Legionnaires, the Ballards did their whole uh, very, very useful shtick of hyping up the populace before their arrival. And L.A. had already always been a metaphysical hub and, you know, 
all manner of mystics, magicians, manipulators, and bullshit artists alike have found fame and fortune in sunny Los Angeles. So uh, why not them? Alongside musicians and actors, right? Yeah. Which is very interesting. Like, it's it's right. For, and, I mean, this is where, you know, at this time, you've got, um, you know, Jack Parsons trying to build a rocket in the desert mm-hmm. in, Los Angeles, in Los Angeles. And, like, Crowley's, uh, I don't know if it's, yeah, it's definitely already founded. Like, the OTO has its uh, only American... Lodge in Los Angeles now, mm-hmm. in Pasadena and shit. So it's a hub for- L. Ron Hubbard is oh, right around the same Hubbard. time, is fucking living with Jack Parsons, fucking his girlfriend, and trying to summon Jack Parsons' a new uh, girlfriend in the desert. Yes. We'll cover that on a later date. I promise. Um, so this is the perfect fucking place, right? This is this is it. Yeah, this is where they're going to level this up. This is the scene. And they, uh, oh, they do, like- it, even before they arrived, L.A. had found they had a taste for what St. Germain had in this cup. Uh-huh. Ow. They liked that creamy liquid. They did, and it wasn't just the audience members. Like, the other spiritual teachers and shit did, too. So, when they got there, before they did their show, what they did was meet with all the other mystical teachers. You know, other people who were playing the game. Mm-hmm. Right? And they would have these, like, closed-door meetings— uh, where they would very soberly, and Edna did the talking during these. This was Guy's time to shut the fuck up and sit down. Yeah. And Edna would basically negotiate and just like say, hey, this is what we believe. This is what we're teaching. I think we can have, I think that we can have mutually beneficial relationships, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, and maybe give a cut or something. You know what I mean? Like she'd, she got all the other metaphysical teacher or like whatever. It's like when start, YouTubers collaborate. Right. Or when anyone collaborates, right. I guess. She got them to shill for yeah. the IM activity. Mm-hmm. And that's the situation they walked into when they started to take their show there. This is the, these are the classes that turn the IM activity from a small yet profitable traveling ministry to a fucking Leviathan that yeah. for four years would sweep through the United States and leave madness and destruction in its wake, though, not a lot of bodies. That makes it sound like there's a lot. They killed a lot of people. No, people did commit suicide, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got real, uh, real I ugly. read that there was, like, quite a few car crashes, too. Yeah. That <laughs> they, they drove. Not, not by any fault of the IM church, but a lot of people believe that they were invincible and then were not. They drove people fucking insane. Yeah. And that's their real mm-hmm. crime, is driving people fucking insane. And that's where I think we're going to pick back up. Well, with the with the narrative, do you want to do any talking about this? Do you want to do any discussion? Do you have any things you want to you're thinking of? Want to say? I just want to let our listeners know some of the stupid names of some of the the masters that the Ballards came up with. Oh yeah, because they would just like throughout these talks, they they would just make up masters when they needed to. Yeah, because it wasn't just Saint Germain and Jesus. They they had some other characters mm-hmm. uh, thrown in there too. So just whatever comes to your mind. Uh, we have Ray Olight. God. Ray Olight. That's like... I hate it. I don't know. That's like a guy named Ray trying to come up with... Um, oh, that's my, that's my buddy Ray. Yeah, Ray Olight. Ray Olight. David Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> Just some guy they know. <laughs> beloved Bob. <laughs> um, of I love course, Beloved Bob. Uh, Ray Olight needs a female counterpart, so there's Rose of Light as well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, K-17... We're going to talk about him next oh, episode. Oh, we will. Yes, we will. Um, don't smoke any K-17. Yeah, don't do it's that. bad for you. Pearl. Oh. Pearl. Miss Pearl. And Rex. 
Rex is just uh, just Rex. It just Rex. It's just Edna's dead dog or something. Probably. I don't know who Rex is, but I have no goddamn idea. They're all who hanging Rex out. To, Beloved Bob's there. You know, there's I'm, also the great divine director. Yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, that's a really good is, one. But he's terrifying. So we got a lot of kooky. Yeah. Going on. Uh, you're definitely gonna <laughs> want to stay tuned for part yes. two. Yes. What do you, What do you think? What do you think about them right now? What are your thoughts on, on these guys? Have I'm, they changed at all? I'm thinking they fell into, hmm, how do I want to put this? So, you know, everybody thinks about, well, if I was faced with the moral dilemma of riches versus being a fucked up person, which yeah, yeah, one yeah. would I take? Because really there's no way to... Um, amass wealth without kind of someone being harmed in the process, I, yeah, I figure. Yeah. Unless maybe you just inherit a shitload of money. But even then, how do corporations make their money? Blah, 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 you know. So I think that they figured we've done our deal of uh, putting up with challenges and hard times. Yeah. We fucking deserve this. Yeah. You know, let's just go for it, baby. Yeah. I this did. is our time. I and I so kind too. of don't entirely fault them for that, but also fuck you. I'm Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but just no, that's the that's the thing. And yeah. I think that's why it makes me so fucking mad because like, like I don't fault it because it's basically what they made as a business empire. To. Yeah, they or, made a business or organized crime. You know. Yeah, um, and I mean like that's. That's sort of the reason we like love gangster movies and shit. Is that like I I, I could do that? Well, you you couldn't, but I could do that. I choose not to though. Mm-hmm. Right, and like as someone who's like also read a lot of the fucking occult books and shit and like the mystic books, like I know what my Breaking Bad looks like. Right. You know, I know how yeah, I don't yeah. starve. You know. And I also um, think um, just because people might be. I don't know, ignorant enough to get duped doesn't mean that they deserve to be, you know? Fuck no. Um, I don't think that their followers, maybe they weren't, they had some um, beliefs that I don't agree with, these followers, but did they deserve to, you know, be scammed out of their Fuck money? No. Nah. And we'll get into some of the, like, way worse shit next time, but... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they, so they I go have pretty mixed far. feelings. I have very mixed feelings where I'm sort of I'm admiring their grift. Yeah, but they've got a solid technique, but I fucking hate them. Yeah, I don't respect them, but yeah. I respect the grift. Um, yeah, and like I, I, I see, I, I see a, a kind of like nihilism that can come from like looking into the mysteries or whatever. Yeah, where you like you realize like oh fuck shit's weird, like mm-hmm. weird, like not just like we don't all go to heaven, you know? That's not that's not real. Like, yeah. And especially like reading the Bhagavad Gita at this time where like it's so fucking psychedelic and cool and like Krishna reveals his form to Arjuna and it's just fucking terrifying and it's awesome. The billions of eyes and bellies and galaxies within Krishna, like uh-huh. this lesson of yet this is meaningless. This everything is meaningless, but yet but yet you should never be afraid. And that's the like mm-hmm. the real lesson of like real scripture and shit. That I feel like the Ballad's got that out of it but it didn't give them comfort in the life when they had their family together so it, they said well fuck that and if it's meaningless then fuck everyone else and all yeah because it w- didn't become enough for them at any point at no point were they like okay that's enough money we're doing fine we can like kind of stop here yeah uh like that point didn't happen and the the and the i am activity snowball is an act of will it is an act of magic uh-huh like it is them projecting their will out into the external world, right? And it took on a life of its own oh, past sure. them. It outlived them like a motherfucker. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, that is uh, the IM activity part one. I kind of ended that quickly. Is and that a good place to, to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, this has been a. Uh, I'm I'm loving researching this shit. It's it is a lot so of fun. Much fucking fun. It's a lot of fun. And remember, don't wear red and black. No, 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 no. White suits only. White suits <laughs> <laughs> or gold and purple. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And uh, subscribe if you like us. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and leave a rating and review and tell your friends, tell your dentist, tell your spiritual guru, tell your ascended master. Yes, please. Tell them about me. Tell them I'm coming for them. <laughs> <laughs> Good All right. All right. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.